This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Hi, I'm Andy Bradshaw, and in this podcast series, I'll be having conversations about supporting coaches to deliver great coaching. Today on the podcast, we welcome Jörg Gotts. Hello. Hi, Jörg. Just for the listeners, if you could fill us in with where you've come from to where you are today. Well, it's a good question. I uh, still speak uh, Swiss German with my mum. When I visit home, I speak uh, English at work, Spanish with my wife, and um, I'm almost losing my French. I'm on a long track career. I've been a, an athlete myself on international level in Kinu Slalom. I was a club coach when I moved to coaching. I was a regional coach, a national coach. And then I moved away from the Swiss team after three Olympics and I did three with the, the Brits. And just about five years ago, moved into coach development. Today, I wanted to explore just how you go about your work. So if you're working with a coach, um, could you describe what a, what a normal day in, in the Jurg office might look like? <laughs> a normal day? Well... I ask questions. Ideally, I want to meet that coach on his turf. I mean, that would be ideal. I see him ideally even coaching, you know, doing what he is good at. I want to meet him on his terms, in his turf. And I'm pretty unassuming. I'm not assuming I can help. So I want him to talk. I want him or her to talk a little bit about himself, who he is, describe yourself in three words, usually gives away quite a lot. In terms of self-awareness, sometimes they can't describe or they feel a bit shy about that, which gives a bit of a, a message. However, when I thought five years ago that's kind of the ideal approach, I have been drafted into connecting with coaches and the only possibility was on the phone, using social media, connections that were rather bad. And we came out of it pretty positively. But it's definitely a conversation and I want the coach to talk. And I want to, to find out if I can actually add any value. When you talk about their turf, so the environment that coach works in is really important. Um, how do you go about getting a real feel for what that environment looks and feels like? Well, ultimately that is getting an invitation to a session. I don't think I ever had it that I started in a session straight away. You know, I'm, I'm just rocking up and I don't think that ever happened. That would be interesting just to take a few notes, make some mental notes, observations, just general observations, because I wouldn't know where he stands, but I would get a bit of a feel, not only for the coach, but for the athletes that he has in there. He might even have an assistant coach there or a, just a peer working alongside that I could have a, a chat. Uh, if that's not the case, but I would definitely meet him ideally at the centre and, and take it from there. Yeah, so the points of triangulation but what sources of information you mentioned 
you know, the athletes, the coaches. What do you look for in those people? Are you looking at things or are you looking for things? How does your observation process go? Not really. If I'm invited by the head coach or the PD, I would even say, well, stop filling me in with too much information because usually that is already a little bit um, directed. So I said, what about we just limit that to a minimum and I follow up with you once I met the coach. You talked about things being directed, so I suppose that's not for you to be looking at it with almost a neutral eye? Yes, very much. I'm operating very much not in my sport that I'm coming from. You know, Kino Slalom, I haven't got any Kino Slalom clients as we speak. So I'm in a setup where I don't know anything about the technicality of the sport. Yes, I know um, triathlon this is this, this and this. However, I found that it's pretty good to be that third party who hasn't got a load of baggage and history. So I'm kind of an unthreatening opportunity for the coach to open up. The opportunity to find a bit of trust pretty soon is there. But what I'm very clear about, and I say that in one of the first meetings, that I love the triangulation. So this is not just a thing between me and you, coach, but we have accountability to the one that coughs up the mm. money. We have a, an accountability to your employer, which is usually the NGB, uh, represented by the PD. So I want to make sure that what we ultimately will do is well kept above board, and then there are other stakeholders that can be supportive on your journey to become an even better coach. Mm. Karen touched on the dynamic of working in a sport that you're not from, mm. and she talked about is it easier sometimes because you come at it with less preconceived judgments and assumptions about what you should be seeing or what you shouldn't be seeing. How do you actually find it? Do you find it fresh, new, interesting? Well, if you look at the two parties involved, one is the coach, and looking across the last five years, I'd say 99% of those coaches find it, I don't want to put any words in their mouths, but refreshing or unthreatening, to maybe put it that way. Mm -hmm. They find it non-judgmental. Straight away, they see an opportunity to engage with someone that they don't have to hide to start with. If over time, further down the line, they want to hide stuff, of course they can. However, that's a good start. At the other side, from my side, I find it very refreshing. At the time when I pulled away from the front line, I was looking at something a little bit different. And the difference is actually in the fact that I'm operating in environments they're still performance environments, but they're completely new to me. Different sports, different people, and I found it very, very refreshing for mm. myself. How would you describe your ways of working? So when you talk about observing coaches or making notes or generating sources of feedback, someone said, right, well, actually, how do you go about your work, Jörg? How would you describe that to them? Well, probably about 80% of what I do is one-to-one -one work. There's quite a range in terms of age range and in terms of years spent in coaching. So there's some coaches that are just about to start. They leave the athlete hats behind them 
and transitioning to become a coach. And on the other side, I have coaches just about to retire. They have been at, I don't know how many Olympic Games, and you would think they have seen it, done it. Ultimately, it is one-to-one, and finding out with them individually what is it you need, or what do you think you need to get an even better coaching delivery. And those conversations are individual. We then double-check with the stakeholder. We double-check. In some cases, we started peer support networks where we put around those plans, those draft plans, as we then label them, uh, invite the coach to share it with a few peers. And so, yeah, 80% one-to-one. Then I'm a facilitator of peer-to-peer, getting away from the idea that any CPD just has to come with a certificate. And I came across that quite a bit. CPD is only, learning only happens in an external course and mm. it comes with a certificate and move much more towards, you know, on-the-job learning, peer-to-peer, creating reflective space in one-to-ones on things that happened or about things that will happen. But then I create little communities of practice, a coaching conference, workshops, and that's probably about 20%. If I say 80%, is is, is one-to-one. I think I've used it in one of the other podcasts that coached up as a facilitator or networking person, not all of the time, clearly, but some of the time. Is that something that you see in terms of the breadth of what you can offer and also connecting coaches into other people, networking other people? Yeah, very much so. I think signposting would be the label I give. You know, I don't have all the answers. I might have a few answers, but... With the numbers of years I spent in a performance environment, you'll have a massive um, network around you. And often it's about connecting them. Interestingly enough, a lot of coaches, they just want to hear and see what others do. And very often they want to see and hear and feel what others do in other sports. So this comes fairly easy for me to sort of connect and then I just established a connection and and I made myself redundant. Yeah. Your history around coaching at an extremely high level for a number of years, for you, what were the biggest changes in terms of stepping out of that coaching world into developing coaching world? It's interesting. There's one of the head coaches who asked me something similar. He said, well, he put it that way. He said, well, I still can't understand why you left your sport. Yeah? And I said, well, I I like the observation, and I'm still coaching. So I'm still coaching, and that's what I did before. So what I'm actually doing here is doing something I was passionate about before and Kinu Slalom was the vehicle, thanks Dad, for giving us the opportunity at the time. We grew up on Swiss rivers, Swiss Alps. But more and more I think that was just the vehicle for something that later became teaching. I've got a teacher's qualification and then coaching. And what I do now is very much what I did before. 
However, now I can't have the conversation around technicalities of the sport, but the coaching bit is, is what it was before, and that is, yeah, serving. Serving other people, and that was there before, before it was Kino Slalom athletes, Kino Slalom coaches, and now it's coaches from other sports. And the reason I ask the question is, you know, we're looking at people's pathways into coach developer work. And what are those pathways? And actually, does that interest still, once you've finished competing or finished coaching, competitors, what else is there? And actually, this is something that can generate just as much passion in a different way, probably one or two steps removed. But it's still something that can drive someone and, and really engage them. I, I couldn't agree more. And this, is, this was never something that was on, on, on my list, on my career plan. I probably never had one, but that's another topic. But there was never on that list, there was never like, I want to become a performance coach developer, a British rowing, a British triathlon. I want to have a bit of work with a, a, a swimmer off the performance setup of British swimming. No. I think the first time when I realised that I have a skill, a skill set that is transferable, then that was probably sort of two five, two six. I did a course on executive coaching or coaching excellence, I think it was called, lane four, and we had to do a bit of training. And we had to get three mentees or coaches and they encouraged to not only look within the sport, but we could actually look at the mentee or a coachee outside the sport. And through the connection at that course, 10 participants only, I was the only one from sport, I performed sport, the rest were people from business. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I found this manager from a high street bank working in the city and we were connected and he got some pre-coaching. And he was the head of whatever. So I haven't got a clue about banking. Yes, I have a bank account, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a bit when you're in the green and when you're in the red. So we were connected. And I remember when I was at the main building of Barclays Bank and, and went up to the 22nd floor, I was kind of, you know, I didn't know what I was doing because nobody told me to do that. But within five minutes talking to that young manager who was primed to move from salary level here to salary level there, you know, within five minutes I realised, well, this is high performance, this is about getting from A to B as quickly as possible, as economically as possible. Basically, I found out that it's exactly what I do day in, day out at British Canoeing at the time. So that put me quite at ease. And it was the first time I realised, well, actually, there is a skill set that is transferable. So anyone listening here and thinking about what do I do, what could I do after my career as a coach in a particular sport, I couldn't. The skill set that you describe, so is it as simple as listening, asking good questions, showing that you care? What else is the, that you decided was that effective skill set for this role? Everything you said, you know, setting goals, you know, if you look at what are coaching fundamentals, one is, yeah, you have an ability to set goals. 
there is an ability to listen, to listen with intent, to uh, quote um, my friend Dave Levine, listen with intent. It's not just listening, but it's listen louder, as I call it. You're an absolute specialist in asking questions, the right question at the right time. You're someone that has an ability to create rapport. If I think about the people business we are in, you know, ultimately we're in, we're, we're in people business, so being able to create rapport, to build trust, these are skills that are key, mm. key skills, yeah. Five years around that time, how long have you been doing sort of the developer coach work? Yes, I started, yeah, 2014. When I started in 2001, sounds old, 2001, in Britain, with the then head coach, Oliver Fix, straight away we started to do the famous lunch clubs, which was basically an in-house learning opportunity once a week. And we invited the coaches that were based in Nottingham at the time and invited them and we talked about a topic, whatever topic was chosen or proposed, without even any external speakers, just with the experience in the room. So I guess very, very early on, for me, it was very important that we do learning, mm-hmm. continuous learning. But having a title of coach developer stroke mentor, yeah, that's 2014, five years that is, yeah. So what would you say has changed in that five years? So you in 2014 and you now, what are you doing differently, anything? That's a very good question. Maybe it has more to do about self-awareness. I probably learned quite a bit more about myself. Um, If I look back, I probably at the beginning wanted to coach everything. And I see that I'm probably at times a little bit more of a mentor where I sort of start to share or need to find the balance to share a few stories from my own experiences. At the beginning, I thought, well, all the answers lie in you, in your coach, and I would not stop questioning you until you get the answer. So I was probably a little bit extreme, just a, a coach at the time, and probably have a bit more of a a mixture now, flexing between being more of a mentor, being more of a coach. Mm. So that's probably that's probably and that, changed a little bit. So you mentioned building self awareness. So who do you who do you talk to to develop yourself? What's what are you, what's the network around you that helps you get better at what you do? Well, there is a a supervision group um, with UK Sport that I go to very regularly. I have a coach developer that I regularly talk to. And then, you know, I have two PDs, big um, NGBs I work with that are very um, receptive and very supportive of what coach development does and they're they're full believers. So, yes, I've got my people that I regularly talk and regularly make sense of what's happening 
And yeah, I just uh, recently became a spotlight practitioner. So there is the odd course or the odd workshop that I would put on, on my list. So yeah, the regular, you know, regular development. Now, maybe one thing that I'm trying to weave into these podcasts, if you were to come up with a, a Jurg's top tip for coach development, what, what would be, in terms of advice to people that are maybe thinking about this type of role or already doing it, immersed in it on a daily basis, what would be a little bit of advice that you would give to someone doing it or thinking about doing it? Uh, talking is always good. So we are now in a situation in the UK where we have maybe a dozen, maybe 20 coach developers operating in Olympic sports. I would just say pick up the phone and talk to one of, of them, discuss it through. It, it's so individual. Everybody is in, a, in different circumstances, in different environments. But if, you know, people development, if developing people is at the centre of you being a professional, then, you know, give it a go. Yeah, talk to one of those developers. Mm. And I think that bit around sharing is crucial. I mean, mm. um, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll have people that maybe feel somewhat isolated. So I think that's, again, that's one of the roles for coach developers to play, to help network those coaches and find others to talk to. Anything from a more practical way? What have you learned? So Andrew talked about using gaffer tape and a plastic bag to cover cameras. Yeah, yeah. What have you learned? Uh, Maybe from something that didn't go quite so well. What have you learned in the way that you work? Can I? Can we just move that question yeah. further back? Not that I don't like it, but just go back to the, the one before. You know about your observation of being connected. Sometimes being a bit isolated. I couldn't agree more. This is absolutely crucial. And one example is, uh, and that came out of an individual conversation with a coach, and he wouldn't mind me saying that was Malcolm Brown. He's now retired, coach of the Brown Libertas Triathlon. It was about, well, he's close to retirement. What What is it you need to further develop? So he came out with the idea, I, I would like to be connected to this, this and this brain. And um, he was very clear about names. Had a conversation. At the end, I said, well, do you want me to do a bit of the legwork? Yeah, it would be good. So I got in contact with all of them. So they were, interestingly enough, <laughs> or no surprise, um, people from the different sports of triathlon. Got in touch and within less than a week, got back to him and said, well, Malcolm, they're ready. Very keen. He said, what? Yeah, we better... We better do something about it. <laughs> and that's when uh, the Endurance Think Tank was born. This is a group of head coaches, their physiologists, from those four sports. And now, just a year ago, invited rowing. So it's now five endurance sports. And I then just gave it the title, ETT, Endurance Think Tank. So it's basically twice a year, they meet in flesh. All I do is I facilitate that. I haven't got a clue about those sports coordinate the agenda, what they want to talk about it, see if there is anyone else that needs to be invited, I look for a venue, we basically go around those those boards, and then they get together. And number 10 happens on the 18th of November, and they think it's great. Mm. And sometimes, and every time, not sometimes, every time I ask, how was that? Did that do the trick? Because sometimes I think, 
was that not a waste of space, waste of time? And, and as minute as it sometimes is, they say, I'll come back. Sometimes it's, it's, it's very little. I came across this and this as one of the head coaches. I think it was track cycling said at that time. I need to go back to my coaches and I need to discuss that again because I picked something up here that we never thought about. And that was maybe five minutes that that was talked about. He said, well, if I wouldn't have come, I wouldn't know. Yeah. And I think for them, giving them time to share and time to listen to each other and time to just explore some things, that's, it goes back to that coach-developer as a networker, as a facilitator. Yes. Yeah. And I think it is crucial who is in the room. Typical community of practice, they want to be there, uh, they own it. Um, it's very crucial that there is a core group. There's a bit of trust, and, and they have now a level of trust where they actually roost, use that space for, uh, for peer review. <laughs> so they come with their questions, they come with their plans, put them out there and say, well, what do you think? Or say, well, there's an area, I tried that two, three times, I'm, I'm still not getting there anyone hmm. so there's a level of trust now and it basically it's a community a network they talk to their peers head coaches and we didn't say you have to bring your physiologist that's something that evolved no. they, they, they own it and my role there is just facilitating it finding the date they said when at the beginning initially we met only in the afternoon for a couple of hours about three ETTs in they said well why don't we meet at 10 in the morning and we spend the day because we, we travel anyway, yeah. you know, from, from Bath to Manchester or from from Loughborough to whatever. So they only so the, the developer as someone who gets those people together, organizes kind of the logistics, but very often you can delegate that to NGBs, they do it for you. Yeah. And that's it. And and, and that's what all these coaches that I work with day in, day out, they say, oh, I would, I would really value to be, you know, to talk to a coach, maybe in a team sport or a coach there. Yeah. Mm. So, so what uh, was the other question? The other question was, what have you learned? So an example, maybe something that didn't go quite so well, right, I need to change that, I need to get better at that. There's got to be something, yeah. Well, I mean... I am not perfect, and but I learned that before that, and that's good because perfect is boring. Well, I invited to that um, to that workshop, courageous, robust conversations, you know, and nobody turned up. And uh, at the end, I kind of twisted the arms of two practitioners. Practitioners were invited as well, and 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 some coaches, and. Um, and I had high-caliber presenters and speakers, very practical, with coaches in the hot seat, so you can practice your hot conversations. And um, nobody came. And I thought, that's strange. I saw just one or two of the coaches were still in the building. I said, oh, well, I should have told you. Oh, no, I, I can't. And, and anyway, at the end, I had two practitioners myself. It was a brilliant afternoon. Um, so what did I learn? Never assume just sending an email and maybe talking to one of the coaches and saying, that might be a good date, let's do it there. So yeah, never assume, just double check and triple check and go back again. That is probably sort of 
the latest, even, you know, especially when you think, yeah, everything is set up and have great, great presenters. That'll be a fantastic afternoon. Well, costs us a little bit something. But uh, that's probably was a big learning this year. Uh, the other one, I don't know if I have the answer, but what about if I operate, and maybe that's an answer that you could get from the next one who comes into, into this podcast. You know, how do you operate and stay sane if you operate in environments, in, in, in environments that, that are not congruent with what you believe mm. a performance environment should look like so I so think from, I'm still learning here and <laughs> from a values philosophy point of view from your yes angle yes yes yeah that is a podcast in itself I would yes. suggest so I'd really like to hear you know and I've got some ideas and and obviously I can flex and I've learned to flex quite a bit and flex my style and flex, you know, depending on who the individual is to, to connect better, to thrive better. However, if the, the philosophy, the values of a, an organization sort of contradicts what you deep down believe, how long, how long can you flex until you say, well, I'm probably not the right person here. It's definitely one to explore, um, maybe, and that could be a, a standing question that we have. Yeah, we yeah. Shall we just uh, introduce that? So uh, <laughs> no, I like that. The, the pattern um, standing question. Yeah. So that would be mine. You know, how long have you walked away from anything? No, no, I no haven't. examples needed. No, I haven't walked away, and uh, I don't feel, as we speak, uncomfortable. It's, it's just yes, a, a question that sort of occupied my brain over the last yeah. maybe twelve, fifteen months. Where at times I oh, there's definitely another cupboard I need to open mm. you know that I don't quite know you know how do you how do you deal you know how do you deal with it okay more more on that to, to come I would have thought then thank you very much Jörg. thank you for spending some time with us today well uh, a pleasure and uh, thanks for having me you've been listening to episode six of the coach developer conversations podcast to check out the other episodes and for more ideas and resources to help you deliver great coaching go to the ukcoaching.org forward slash resources webpage. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.